This is the John Oakley Show podcast. And so we have a topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Dial pound 3636. The Wednesday edition sees our friend Ernie Eves, the former premier and finance minister of Ontario, in the studio. Hello, Ernie. How are you, John? Very good. And you? Nice day. Just like summer out there. <laughs> it's, hang on to it because uh, I'm sure it's apt to change in another month or so. Or five minutes. Maybe. John Turley-Ewart is a risk management consultant specializing in capital markets with extensive experience on Bay and Wall Streets. Good afternoon, John. Good afternoon, John. And Dan Moulton is back with us, consultant at Crestview Strategy. That's a public affairs agency. And he's a former advisor in the McGinty and Wynn governments. How's Dan doing? I'm doing great, John. Glad to be back. Yeah, good to have you back on this day that uh, sees the writ being dropped. And because, you know, uh, everybody here, I guess, is a political animal. There's uh, a lot to chew on for the next five and a half weeks. I'm sure we'll uh, really have our fill. But I'm just going to ask you as the opening salvo here, uh, is there a, a predominant uh, election question that's been defined, uh, or will it come down to personalities, uh, character, whatever the the matter might be? Dan, I'll start with you. You know, I actually don't. I don't think so. No, I don't think the the question that will face voters has really uh, 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 come up yet. And I think it's really incumbent upon both of the two main parties, the Conservatives and the Liberals, that is, uh, to figure out exactly what they want to force the question to be at the ballot box. Because I actually think right now what they're working with isn't going to get them there. I mean, you need 171 seats to win this election. And I don't think either party right now is in a position to secure uh, to secure, secure that victory with the question that's in, in front of voters right now. So I think we're going to see both parties, uh, I hope, uh, work quite hard over the coming two weeks or so uh, to really drive something interesting in front of voters uh, to force that more exciting question that will get people out to the ballot box because right now I, I don't know that we're tracking towards a very a very significant election to be to be frank uh, or one with very high turnout well that's interesting okay a couple of things there but let me just back it up a little bit as a strategist at Crestview strategy uh, how would you then want to massage things so that you arrive within the the two-week timeline that you cited uh, with a defining question or an issue that sort of resonates yeah I think there's uh th- there's certainly a range of, of of topics the parties can can look at right now uh, certainly the conservatives are talking about uh, affordability I'm not sure it's resonating in the way that they probably hope for the economy in in particular in Ontario and Quebec is too strong for it I think to strike the chord that they're hoping for. The Liberals are, are running on their record right now. They're, they're sort of focusing in on, this is what we've achieved. It's better than it was. You don't want to go back to how it used to be. Uh, I think they'd be better served to come up with a defining question for this election about the kind of future we want as a country. Uh, perhaps something to do with uh, with population growth, I would I would think is a priority for me as a young Canadian. If, if we want the, to build the country that I think a lot of us uh, envision and, and, and expect, uh, population growth and how we can you know drive this country towards probably doubling its population and the next hundred years would would be one of those things that might help to define this uh, a question for this election that seized voters in a way that I don't think we're seeing right now. All right. Even though that's a, a pretty long horizon, uh, and I don't, I'm not sure if people would uh, latch on to that, but still, nonetheless, <laughs> uh, no, well, I mean, you've given us an honest opinion. Let's get to John Turley Ewart. So, uh, you know, there's... Uh some elements of what Dan says is true. I think we're still in the formulation stage. I don't think that, uh, you know, Trudeau came out of the gate today uh, with the headlines he had hoped for. Uh, you know, the Globe came out with their story on SNC-Lavalin once again and how uh, they can't get access to the information they want because of uh, activities in the prime minister's office. That is, uh, you know, not allowing people to speak. I don't think that uh, served the prime minister very well. Uh, I think... Um, uh, you know, if I was going to bet on this, I'd probably uh, certainly bet on the Greens doing better than they have in the past. I would definitely short the NDP. 
Uh, and I do think that uh, Mr. Shear has to drive home the issue of affordability. I mean, just the other day we had headlines about, uh, you know, levels of bankruptcy in Canada going up. Uh, there certainly are concerns about, um, you know, the economy and where it's going to be next year. I think more and more Canadians are, are fearing that we're going to go into a recession. And the question is, is how much tax are, are, are you able to pay? Uh, the question of, of uh, you know, climate change is obviously going to be uh, driven home, I suspect, by the Liberals in an effort to win over, uh, you know, folks who are inclined to want policy change around that. And I think the Conservatives are going to have to really talk about the cost of that, the pocketbook cost of that. All right. So standard of living, quality of life. Uh, I mean, you got Jagmeet Singh, and uh, we were talking to uh, our reporter who was on his campaign bus. He's really swinging for the fences. He's talking about, you know, pharmacare, uh, comprehensive, dental, uh, wealth tax. I mean... You know, he's trying to appeal certainly to the middle class or those hoping to join it. Uh, why is that not resonating? Maybe it does come down to personalities, Ernie. And he's still about 100 candidates light, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he is. That's, that's yeah. another issue. That might be a big well, issue if, to start like with. $100 million short. Well. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would agree that uh, the NDP are going to have a problem, I think, in this election. Um, they might wish that they had Tom Mulcair back as their leader <laughs> when this is all said and done at the end of the day, because that's the stick that he's going to be measured by. And I would agree, the Greens stand to gain. I think uh, how many seats they get is another issue, but I think as the percentage of the popular vote, they will definitely increase their share probably significantly. But uh, as we all know, that doesn't necessarily translate into seats. But if it does, it could present a very interesting dynamic. I think right now uh, neither major party can look at a majority government. They're looking at a minority probably. And the bloc might might have something to say before this is all said and done. If Quebecers are, you know, not too happy with the current prime minister and don't really like some of the alternatives, they just might vote bloc, which could present a very interesting dynamic if you had the Greens and the bloc controlling the balance of power mm-hmm. when this is all said and done. Well, it's interesting because, you know, the polls that have been taken that show the committed voter, uh, that's one story. So let's say if that gets solidified, the status quo is kind of maintained, but it's the swing vote or the sway, uh, 26% undecided. What do you think will get those people? Uh, is there something, I guess, the debates, uh, maybe, you know, a story that John referenced, the SNC-Lavalin thing, if that, you know, gains any kind of momentum? I don't know that it will, but, uh, Dan, how important is that 26%? That seems to me like that's make it or break it. Well, it depends if they show up and vote, right? I think, and that's that's really what's incumbent upon the parties is that you know often we we look at polls and, and we, we we don't talk about those undecideds all that often, and it's largely because often they don't vote, right? I mean, there are people that t- tell a poll still that they're going to vote, uh, but then they don't, right? And so uh, you know, it, it depends if the if there's enough energy from either of the two main parties to drive those individuals out to the polls. In 2015, uh, Justin Trudeau was able to do that, in particular with young Canadians. Uh, I mean, people under the age of 35 voted for him in massive numbers. And so whether or not the Liberals can energize that group of voters back to the polls in this election is an open question right now. Uh, it would secure him a majority. I, I believe it if, if he could do it. I'm just not sure we are. We, we don't know what the policy program is uh, that, that's net new in this election quite yet. And I think that's what's going to be uh, what's going to decide whether or not we can see those voters driven out to the polls. But I just wonder, you know, when you talk
talk about energizing particularly a younger demographic, uh, wouldn't they be cynical, uh, having observed over the last little while? And to the point you made, John, earlier today, Globe and Mail story that comes out, SNC-Lavalin, the RCMP are stifled in trying to investigate obstruction of justice. Uh, would young people look at that and say, oh, geez, here we go again. Maybe they stand on principle more so than previous generation. I don't know. I well, don't know. But do you think this is a story that will actually have an impact? So so here's where the impact uh, is. Maybe not so much a story, but it's a time of year. We're, we're right in the middle of starting university. So if you're talking about like the 19 to 24-year-old uh, and uh, they're in college and university, how much attention are they actually going to pay uh, to what Mr. Trudeau has to say? Uh, they're probably more, you know, interested in figuring out their, you know, calculus class and, and you know, what their career aspirations are. And trying to organize those folks has historically been uh, extremely difficult. Where I think, you know, the advantage of, of the conservatives ha- have is, uh, you know, the, the whole affordability question, again, uh, is, is, is very high in a lot of people's uh, agendas. Uh, you know, there was a fellow... Uh, on the news the other day talking about gas prices out in B.C. I mean, gas prices in B.C. are insane, uh, you know, compared to, for example, in Ontario. Like, there's a lot of levers that Mr. Shearer can push uh, to to start really winding up that that narrative. I think the, the one of the, the interesting aspects of this whole election as well will be to see if uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould has anything else to come bring out or Philpott has anything else, have any more bombshells. Uh, to bring forward. And I wouldn't be surprised because both of them played their cards very, very well uh, during that whole exercise when he left caucus. And I'm wondering if the Trudeau uh, you know, team is uh, very much worried about that, because that could be something that would turn the election very quickly if there was more to come out mm. from either one of those. Yeah, I, th- I think largely that issue has been accounted for in the minds of most voters. And I would say that What's important to remember is that, in large part, the outcome of this election in favor of the Conservatives or the Liberals is going to be determined in Quebec. And that issue does not play the same in Quebec as it does in the rest of Canada. Uh, in fact, uh, most in the minds of most Quebec voters, when they hear Andrew Scheer out there railing on about SNC-11, then they're thinking, well, would you have lost those jobs then? Would you let those jobs go away? And so I, I would say that uh, it'll be interesting to see whether or not Andrew Scheer, though he did it today, whether or not he continues to play that way in the province of Quebec. Well, and then the other thing, of course, is the bloc is, uh, some people say anyway, uh, they're on the ascendancy, uh, they're better than they were with 10 seats at dissolution or whatever, so they'd uh, probably do a little better. Let me ask you, though, Ernie, as an avowed conservative, card-carrying member, I believe... you're a conservative? This was, uh, you know, a lot of people's perception is that Andrew Scheer, this was his to lose, or at least if he were more assertive, uh, if he found some traction, uh, he could really, really make an impact in inroads. Uh, how do you assess to this point? I mean, it's day one, but uh, in the lead up to it, how do you assess his uh, performance? Well, there is no defining issue. I mean, I've sat with Andrew Scheer at dinner and lunch several times. He's a very, very decent guy, and he's not, you know... You know, he's not a flamboyant guy. I don't think anybody would ever accuse him of of that. I think the issue is yet to be defined. Um, The overwhelming majority of Canadians, I was listening to a poll yesterday or the day before, do not feel that the Prime Minister Trudeau deserves re-election. I think it's like 62 or 63 percent. Yet they're not exactly enamored with any of the alternatives. I think if you had an open ballot, the answer would be none of the above probably to date. I think if the election becomes about Trudeau, then he has a problem. Um, so obviously, they are going to tr- the Liberals are going to try and have their own definition of what this election is about, and so are the other parties, so are the Conservatives and the other parties. I think the election 
will partially be decided in Quebec, but I also think the 905 here in Ontario are going to be very, very important. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think any recent prime minister is has got elected without winning the 905 riding. So they are absolutely crucial to success. Sure. And I mean, you look at the polling right now there, and they're not. In fa- it's not favorable for the Conservatives throughout the, this region, right? I mean, the, the people, your listeners across this region, uh, across Toronto, uh, the polling numbers are decidedly in favor of the Liberals, and, and largely attributable to the factor of Doug Ford and the provincial government right now. Except I mean, that in in Ontario now they're tied, whereas about a month ago they were six points behind the Conservatives. I'm talking about. The, yeah, on the overall province. On the province-wide numbers. There's no doubt the Liberals would have an advantage in downtown 416 area, but I'm not so sure that that issue has been decided in 905. The polls are somewhat misleading, too, because it's just an aggregate of, you know, the popular vote or whatever online. Right. It's not even a statistically, I guess, uh, entirely uh, scientifically nailed shot. You know, it goes by, just as the American vote, uh, the Electoral College, and that's the key, the writings, and, uh, you know, whether you get an efficient vote is what they call it. Mm-hmm. But if there's voter, I don't want to say voter suppression, but Dan made the point, you know, like, uh, or maybe it was you too, John, that, you know, the university cohort may not get out, they're distracted otherwise. So if there's a low voter turnout, that's what Dan said, who does that benefit? Well, that, that, I think that benefits the Conservatives because you have more motivated voters to, to, to come out and, uh, and support you. And one of the interesting maybe sleeper policies in this whole election might be, you know, the policy around mortgages that came out uh, a, a few years ago. Uh, that uh, made it harder for people to qualify. I say this because when I talk to my, you know, my pals uh, who live in the 905, that policy had a big impact on them. It had an impact on that, the price of their house, had an impact uh, when you know, interest rates went up in terms of their mortgage payments. And uh, certainly there's a lot of realtors in, in the entire GTA 905 area who, like last year, were you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel to try and uh, make a living. And so, you know, there, there's there's those kind of policies that remain in, in the back of people's minds. And you think about how hard, you know, it's been for the past couple of years because of those kind of policy changes. And I'm not saying that that policy change was uh, wrong at the time, but it did have an actual personal impact on an awful lot of people in the region. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville, dial pound 3636 with Ernie Eves, Dan Moulton, John Turley-Eward on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.